to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I grew up in a school never once worrying or thinking that someone would bring a gun to school and do anything with it. I grew up in a school where uh, it would not be uncommon, per my memory, for guys to have hunting rifles in their truck in the parking lot, uh, for teenagers in my school to own guns, hunt with guns freely on their own, um, whether that was right or wrong or illegal is beside the point, uh, that the the kind of atmosphere that we're experiencing today is so far from my experience uh, in terms of safety and expectations and uh, culture. Um, so we're, we're, we're now in a time where I, I think, and tell me what you think, I think it's safe to say that when school, this school shooting was close to home, you're from Texas. I'm just a few hours from Uvalde, uh, where this school shooting happened, and I mean it's close to home. I I, I know people who uh, are from, have been through, have family in Uvalde. Uvalde. Uh, so this is not a news event from California or Washington, right? This is you know people that are affected. So, um, but I I just think e- even hearing it that close to home. I think we've heard so many shootings of so many kinds in so many places. Another shooting yesterday in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, where there's at least four people dead at a at a medical center, and it it I I think it's fair to say it's just it's become common. I don't you know the Buffalo shooting. I just it, it's another news day. It's oh this is where it happened today. There's a there's a numbness to the news. Uvalde's different. Uh, those kids, the school, the number of them—it's—it's it's hard. Um, but I would—I think that's a fair assessment that there has been a significant shift in the frequency, and the statistics are there that uh, gun violence, mass shootings, has increased in the last couple of decades. And that's not the kind of experience that I had at school from '80s through the '90s. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I—I I would say. Um, it probably began when we were in high school. Um, you know, mm-hmm. 99, April, whatever it was, 20th, 19th, yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. it was, uh, Columbine, 99. Mm-hmm. I was a, that would be the end of my freshman year in high school. And I remember that, you know, that shooting and the tragedy that was there, all the stories coming out after that, um, that event and um you know i think that that changed a good bit about just the feeling about going to high school i mean or, or just going to a public school you I, you know there may have been like a big shooting before then i'm sure there was that i'm mm-hmm. not recalling right now um but that was certainly a game changer in terms of yeah. the way everyone felt about yeah. going to school and being in a public place. 
and yeah. uh, realizing that like that was really a possibility. Um, the school that I was in was a lot closer to a bigger city, I think probably than the high school that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there, there was, you know, certainly there were people that owned guns and that was, you know, relatively common and perhaps might have one in the car, you know, in their truck, like mm-hmm. have a shotgun on the back window or something like that, or behind the seat of their truck or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that was, you know, probably common. I didn't know about it, uh, if that was the case. So certainly I think, um, for us, it was not nearly as, uh, probably maybe, um, common as, as it was in, in your, uh, in your school. Like when I grew up, my, my, uh, we kind of grew up in cities for the most part. I mean, maybe a little bit rural, but, but mostly kind of cities. And, um, certainly not in the country or on a farm or anything like that. And so, you know, I didn't even really, I probably had fired two guns in my entire life until after college. So, you know, um, I was given a 22 rifle for my 14th Christmas and I would hunt in the woods for squirrel and raccoons at night for fun by myself. Like it was a BB gun. Yeah, see, that certainly was not my upbringing, and I, I mean, I, I I had a BB gun. That was about it. I mean, if you don't count BB guns and pellet guns and things like that, if you just count like actual guns that have some uh, terminal velocity to the the round, I I, yeah. I you know I'd probably fired maybe a couple of different guns, you know, in my entire life, just a few uh, up until mm-hmm. you know I got married. So. Uh, that certainly wasn't, you know, my upbringing. So when Columbine happened, that was a, a big traumatic shift in the way we even mm-hmm. thought about going to public school and like, could that happen here? You know, and, mm-hmm. and really thinking that, that, that could happen, I guess, you know, and I, I know that there was some, I don't recall all the specifics, but I, I do know that there was some apprehension about going to school the following days and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I know that there was some mm-hmm. fear about that. Um, you know, and I think it seems like now, obviously to your point, the, those tragic events are, are seem to be growing in frequency. Um, you know, they're certainly not every day, but they are, it's not uncommon for once or twice a school year. It seems like to have some, you know, um, person, come in and and you know do do this heinous event you know in a mm-hmm. in a school it's uh it seems like it's far too common and and just it's tragic every single one of them yeah well every time there's you know the larger the gun violence the larger the uh, the death rate and experience the it, it seems to be hotter the debate about gun control and gun violence and what do we do and how you know why do we keep letting this happen and you know i i think first of all we there is there is uh a a good heart and a good right intention to uh want to protect our children to want to protect any soft vulnerable person in in any way uh that that is a good right instinct and i have it too you know i'm thinking i you know i I, i've seen a couple of stories where dads have taken in their own hands to go stand in front of schools 
for the first and last hours of schools lately that they're just they're standing there they're just standing at the doors letting kids come in making sure doors are locked and taking upon themselves and i think that's wonderful uh it's i think it's beautiful and but i think that instinct to do something is a good right instinct you can get to a place where you want to do something that's unhelpful just like in any situation uh out of uh, a right desire and a right instinct um one of the things that's been floating around uh, there's so much to say about this too i think we should say that the complexity uh which is not an excuse to do something or think something but the complexity of problems for example for salvador ramos the shooter in uvalde are, are many and the the things that allowed this to happen are deep in society they're in the school system for the last five years they are in the the doors being opened on that day they are in the police decisions and the police response it's in the broken family of salvador who didn't know his dad was living with his grandmother it was mental health it was we could just go on the list of things that helped that made this thing happen mm-hmm. right uh this is not just well a gun law would have fixed this or something there are so many things happened in this young man's life and in the school district and in this instance that led to this um and we we've talked about this on the last uh, week or so uh that it, one of the one of the pitfalls would be to try to narrow down in this situation especially you know this one thing is going to make it all better right. and it, it would have stopped this right. from happening and um you know our our desire to make things better should make we should be able to step back from that and be cautious that we go well what did actually happen how did this happen um one of the things floating around out there that uh it it sound it comes across as simplistic and it, it sounds like a kind of it's a kind of a gotcha on social media right now and it's kind of the picture of the rock and the handgun with the meme that says the rock didn't kill abel Cain did and it's the idea that uh, you know we, we shouldn't we, we can't stop Cain's from killing Abel we, uh, we, we we can't make laws that keep Cain from doing bad things uh, if someone wants to do something bad they could use a rock and we're not going to outlaw rocks you know <laughs> we were talking the other day or maybe it was my associate pastor we were talking and I was thinking about Robin Hood when uh, the sheriff of Nottingham is cursing Robin of Loxley and says he wants to cut his heart out with a spoon. I don't know if you remember that from the Kevin Costner. It's been so long since I've seen that. And the movie's 18 hours long. Oh, dude, I could quote that whole movie could right you? now. <laughs> that movie's like 18 but, hours long, bro. That is not, not a movie that I want to watch. I love it. Um, but you're, we're, we're not going to outlaw spoons. Uh, I, I, I saw some t- statistics this week that a lot of violent mass crimes have been with done with knives uh we're not going to outlaw all knives you know i've got some huge knives in my kitchen uh that could do some serious damage if i wanted to misuse them another way well we're not going to outlaw kitchen utensils and like forks so um but the idea of the meme uh that that post is that we should not try to outlaw regulate the means of violence because the cause of violence is actually the person and it's the heart and uh so so therefore don't try to fix the problem the mm-hmm. wrong way right Cain, you're not going to fix Cain's problem by taking Cain's rock away 
Cain's going to kill Abel. Mm-hmm. Don't try to fix Uvalde by trying to take someone's assault mm-hmm. rifles away. It, it doesn't fix the problem. It, you know, Salvador Ramos is a murderer. He's going to murder. Right. You know. Um, your your first thoughts on that? Uh, is there truth to it? Does it leave something out? What does the Bible actually tell us about Cain, the Rock, and Abel? I mean, so I'm going to own some bias if I can up front. <laughs> Um, okay. And and before I say, before I make a comment, um, you know, though I didn't grow up as uh, kind of a, a, you know, gun enthusiast or whatever, I probably would be described that way now. Uh, and so, you know, I think, uh, and I, 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 I'm obviously a supporter of the second amendment and a lot of the freedoms that we have in this country. And, and, and so, um, that being said, when you say gun enthusiast, what do you mean? Um, someone who en- enjoys, uh, shooting guns and who, um, has, uh, yeah, um, has fun doing that and, and, uh, learning about guns and things like that. I, I enjoy those kinds of things. Um, gotcha. So, uh, all of my guns I lost at the bottom of the lake. Uh, so I don't, I don't currently, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone's listening. I can, I can't yeah, find I don't, my guns I don't know right where they now. Are. I, just, I lost them in a boating accident <laughs> and we were all at the bottom of the, <laughs> the lake. Um, yeah. And I'm the same too. I mean, even if you, you and I have talked and I think we agree much more than we disagree, but there's, uh, I own several kinds of weapons. I hunt, I've shot for sport. Uh, like I said earlier, I've owned guns since I was a child. I grew up with guns. I think we're in the same boat. I think the Second Amendment is an important part of our Constitution. Go ahead. So it's certainly true that there's there's no dispute that – well, I shouldn't say there's no dispute. I'm sure some people are disputing this, but, but <laughs> people dispute anything. I, I, You're off social right, media. Right. You don't I had, know what's I, being disputed, So, man. like, you keep mentioning this meme that comes up about Cain and Abel, and I've never seen it because I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on any social media at all, so I'm lost when it comes to memes that are circling around and often have to have people explain them to me. Uh, I'm a very mm-hmm. old man in that kind of sense, but um, it's certainly true that the heart is the problem um, mm-hmm. and that we have to address the heart issues at work here. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. Um, I wouldn't seek to dispute that, and I don't think you do. And I, I, nobody right. that, that I know or really care to have a debate with thinks that way anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that the sentiment expressed in the meme is probably a bad way to go about making the argument um, because I would be look if if somebody said we could you know make guns disappear completely off the face of the earth they just wave a wand and all guns are gone no military military everybody, everybody. all yeah. firepower extreme firepower let's say is all eradicated okay yeah. Uh, and so there's no, you know, no no guns or heavy ammunition could ever be fired. Uh, we would still have the same issue in our country right now. Um, if you could, if you took 
away, um, you know, all of all of the the guns or whatever, you would still have the Salvador Ramoses, who still have these deep seated issues, mm-hmm. and would still has been there since yeah, King. and would still seek to do and act on these uh, temptations and um, sinful impulses that he has. Mm-hmm. It is a yeah. very apparent that especially in this country, perhaps worldwide, but I can only speak for America, uh, we have a young man problem. That, is, that seems to be uh-huh. abundantly clear. Um, mm-hmm. There's no question as to who's doing this and who's doing these kinds of things. Um, we have a young man problem in this country. And certainly I can understand the arguments from people that say, well, look, we do have a young man problem. It is the canes of the world that are, that are kind of acting in this way. But if we remove from them the ability to uh, act on those impulses in particularly horrendous ways, and when they act on these impulses, kill 20 people at a time, if we could take that down, then why not do it? I can certainly understand the argument that people would make uh, in doing that. And I think even as Christians, um, we have, look, gun rights has not been a thing that has been had, really, in every government since the beginning. In fact, we're, we we stand as probably one of few who have um, these kinds of uh, privileges uh, and, and a government set up in the way that, that kind of preserves these rights for us. So, you know, as, as much of an enthusiast as I am and advocate for the Second Amendment and things like that, and I, and I don't really want to be heard as, as kind of contradicting any of those things. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, as Christians, I understand this world is not my home and that in many cases, my brothers and sisters around the world throughout history have lived under regimes that are, you know, oppressive and things like that. And they continued to persevere in faith. And, and that is that is my job and that's all I will do. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but so, so I think there, I can under one, I can understand, I guess what I'm saying is that I can understand the argument that's being made by, by people and why they would feel that desire. Uh, mm-hmm. I can also say that as a Christian, you know, though I may vote in a way that would, that would protect those kinds of rights for people to own guns and to have guns and to protect themselves, mm-hmm. that in the event that something did change that was not in my favor and not, you know, in my desire, uh, I would still be a Christian and I would still worship the Lord Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't change much about the way that I daily live my life, you know, for Mm -hmm. Christ, Um, you know, as brothers and sisters in China right now do not have the right to own own a firearm and yet um, they continue to persevere in faith. So I, I, so I think there's, you know, I don't know if that any of that's making sense, but I, but I, I'm kind of trying to say like th- there there is a a gamut that we we run as Christians where we kind of s- can say though I support this, uh, I can understand why people who are 
of sound faith, sound mind would make an argument contrary to mine. And at the same time, um, if something were to happen that's outside of my control, um, then I would continue to be a Christian and I would continue to love the Lord and, and honor God and continue to preach the gospel and things like that, even if things weren't, mm-hmm. you know, even if I wasn't afforded the rights that I am now. Right. Yeah. Well, tell me what you think about this because I mean, I brought this up to you last week and um, I do, I do think there is, there's obviously truth to it. There is the uh, principle of personal responsibility. Cain did this. He could have used a rock. He could have used, uh, you know, whatever he had used in the field to uh, harvest his crops that he offered as an offering. He could have could have used his fist. He could have used a, a, a tree limb. He could have used a number of things. It's not the it's not the rock, obviously, and you can't just legislate the the rock away. Uh, there are so many other things you can you can grab. Uh, that's definitely true. I think the way that I would push back is um, that there is a responsibility that the Bible, that God through the Bible has given government in the interest of societies in the world. And it's actually closer related to Cain and Abel than we might think. Mm-hmm. So a short version is Cain kills Abel with a rock. And that sin came from Adam, and that sin comes through Cain, and it continues to spread all over the world until we get to Genesis chapter 6, where it says that the entire earth was filled with violence. The entire earth was filled with violence, and God's response was to flood the earth in judgment, save Noah. When Noah comes out of the ark in Genesis uh, chapter 9, God kind of recommissions the world. We see a repeat, almost a copy and paste of Genesis, uh, the the dominion given to man over the earth. Uh, but God adds something in Genesis 9-6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So God puts a stopgap to protect the earth filled with violence against his own image at the hands of men. And that, I would agree, I think Jonathan Lehman does a good job of working through this uh, in in a way that was helpful to me in uh, How the Nations Rage, uh, his his book on uh, government, faith, and politics in that intersection. And just shows this is the beginning of government. This is God's government is God's idea. Government is not man's idea to help men have power over men. That the first principles, the simplest principles of government, are God's idea among men for the sake of his image in mankind. And so part of that law, if you will, that principle of government, that uh, of justice among men is part of the response of the Cain's killing the Abel's. That there is a governmental, a biblical governmental interest in preserving, protecting, honoring the image of God in mankind. Right. So the idea that, you know, we, we can just take it to the nth degree to where it becomes unbiblical when we say, well, Cain killed Abel, government doesn't have anything to do with this. There's There are no legislative answers to any of these problems um, it, and we say so. So it's simple, and then it becomes such sweeping ideals about what's not going to help. You know, does yeah. that make sense? Uh, so there's there's two ways to go, and obviously, I, I don't think there's anyone 
who is a Christian who uh, has any grounds to say uh, either either of those things that the government is disinterested in terms of having biblical basis for regulating laws, justice system uh, that has biblical basis, and they also, of course, the idea that there is human personal responsibility for sin before God, before one another, societal responsibility as well. I mean, churches in Uvalde ought to be going, wow, maybe we miss this kid. Uh, families, teachers, uh, there's a lot of people who I think are probably wrestling with, wow, maybe we could have done something two years ago. Uh, maybe people tried. Maybe that's part of the story that hasn't even come out yet. How many counselors tried to reach him? How many aunts tried to spend time with him on his birthday? How many? I, I don't know. Who knows? So all those things are there. Um, but we all do agree that government has, I think, that government has a role in protecting the image of God in man. No one's going to say it. Not all non-Christians would say it like that, protecting the image of God in man. Um, but that you don't have to forsake the doctrine of depravity and personal responsibility to say, and even just entertain the question, that maybe there is a governmental responsibility here. Um, you don't have to forsake one just to entertain the question that the government might have a role here. Um, you, think, you think it's fair it still keeps in contention the fact that obviously nothing, we're not going to legislate away problems. We're, Congress isn't going to make a law that's going to make death and suicide and murder go away. Never. But if someone were to entertain that as maybe that would fix this situation, it's not as if it has no biblical ground. Right, and I, and I think, um, but but I would I would say the reason why the whole Cain Abel um, meme or whatever that apparently is on Facebook yeah. that I still haven't seen <laughs> is I think a bad <laughs> a bad approach to the argument is. Um, right. Because the counter is obviously exactly what you just said. That, um, like, I, I think Paul in Romans thirteen basically makes the point that you're making, essentially, which is yeah. um, he says, um, "Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for no there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God." Therefore, whoever resists mm -hmm. the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear yeah. of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain." For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. This, I think, is a better argument mm -hmm. that what is the what it, it what is the reason for which God put government in place, and that is mm -hmm. to punish the evildoer and to reward the do-gooder, right? Mm -hmm. So, when we look at and and again, here comes the here comes the. Uh, Texan in me. All right. The, the <laughs> freedom loving Second <laughs> Amendment supporting uh, Texan in me. Um, the, if, if you were to, 
eradicate guns, at least from the U.S., or say that they couldn't be, uh, you, mm-hmm. you can't own them. As we've seen in so many other places that have tried these kinds of things, um, there becomes a, uh, a means of accessing, uh, like for, as an example, drugs would be a really good example of this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there are certain classes of drugs that are illegal in this country. And right. if you want them, you can still get them. And access yeah. to those comes by various means, flood over the border and various other kinds of things. And the people that want them are mm-hmm. going to get them. So essentially what's happened then is, and if we've established that there is a heart issue going on with some of the young men in this country, then you know, eradicating these kinds of weapons doesn't, actually keep them out of the hands of those whose hearts are wicked and bent on doing violence. What it does is it keeps them out of the hands of those who would seek to do good with them and to protect. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, and I think this is a common understanding, is that, um, that the ones who seek to break the law will find a way to break the law. And the ones who obey the law will obey the law that you put in place so Mm -hmm. um you know it 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 seems as though what governments and i agree with that i'll push back on this a little bit i mean we wouldn't say philosophically well we shouldn't make abortion illegal because people are going to get abortions anyway and kind of it's it it's it's kind of a reminder but there's a difference there's a difference uh, in those two things prohibition the the um abortion being illegal is because there is no way you can possess an abortion and it be a moral good whereas guns can be used for moral good or they could be used for moral evil and so the government has a responsibility to punish the the wrongdoer and to reward the do-gooder so there is a situation where the government could uh, I, I say reward but but um, approve. He's Paul says, then do what is good, and you yeah. will receive his approval. So I really, I just mean, mm-hmm. you're okay. Leave, leave alone. Leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. so there is a, a way in which someone could own a gun and be a do-gooder, and there is a way someone mm-hmm. could uh, own a gun and be a, a, a wrongdoer. Whereas that's not the case with abortion. With abortion, mm-hmm. it's wrong from beginning to end. And the government has a responsibility to say that's wrong. Period. There's no right use of that. Yeah, yeah. And to follow the track, obviously, <clears throat> we're talking about elective abortion, selective abortion, not saving a mother's life. That scenario, in terms of do good, um, I think it's a helpful clarification. And the. Um, the the aspect in, of adding Romans thirteen where the government holds the sword, uh, it it there there has to be at some point a regulative spectrum where there it, it would be in the government's interest to make it illegal to own nuclear weapons because of the scale of destruction. You can you can do good with uh, a 22 rifle you can do a lot of good with an assault rifle you can kill a lot of hogs at one one hunt with an assault rifle <laughs> so 
That's true. Never had to do that. I wish I could be invited in such a hunt, but um, <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> um, but do you think there's kind of a an application where the government has uh, not only in judicial and in justice retributive response to laws but a preventative hey this is what we are this is how we are going to regulate this economy this market by not letting certain well so you can't buy you can't buy tanks you can't just drive your tank to work every day with uh missiles and rockets loaded up because that's illegal you can't do that could you could you do good with that we think the military does good with that uh in in just wars Yes, but we don't put that in the hands of civilians. So do you think the government has a a biblically-based responsibility to regulate what members of a society can own in terms of a spectrum? That somewhere you have – somewhere the government ought to biblically, on principle, say society shouldn't own these things. And today, I mean, go back to Cain. It's just rocks and trees. (laughs) There, I mean, how are you going to regulate Cain? What what Cain has in front of him, or anyone before Genesis nine? So, is there a biblical basis for the government saying you can't own anything? Um, legally. So, I would, again, I would go back to Romans thirteen and say, he says, "Let every person be subject to governing authorities." Mm-hmm. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore. Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. He's given government um, a a big deal of responsibility, you know, a Mm -hmm. a great deal of responsibility in enacting laws and things like that. And so uh, I, I don't think that I could say biblically there is... No way possible for a government to be biblically right and to regulate what people can own. Mm. So, I, I yeah. So I would say to that point, sure, uh, a government can do those things mm. and and biblically, I think, be right. And I think if they do those things, we we could potentially be in the wrong uh, resisting. At least according to Paul's words in Romans 13. Right. I think it's just a straightforward reading of that. Right. That being said, uh, has a government overstepped its bounds if its policies do not accomplish the purpose for which government was set in place? Mm -hmm. Rewarding the do-gooder or leaving the do-gooder alone Mm -hmm. and punishing the evildoer. Mm -hmm. If the government has set up a scenario where they've taken away the ability for the person to do good and defend his family, defend himself um, against an evildoer, and they haven't provided the, the kinds of support necessary to punish the evildoer appropriately or to stop the evildoer before he ever does those kinds of things, mm-hmm. then I think potentially the government um, has a, a lot to answer for mm-hmm. and would be wrong in enacting those kinds of laws mm-hmm. because they, one, don't stop the do, the evildoer, 
And two, they hinder the one doing good mm-hmm. from being able to do good. So I think um, that would be wrong. Now, it would be wrong for me to respond in a way that just says, well, because they're wrong, I'm going to fly under the radar and do whatever I want anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the appropriate response either. Yeah. Um, but, but what, so, so what I'm saying about that is if that, that's I, kind of the trying to, trying to be the point that I was making at the beginning was mm-hmm. it, if, if a government goes to that, if our government goes yeah. to that extent, you, you still have a biblical responsibility to submit to that government. Exactly. So long as they don't, even though I may think it's wrong, even if you think it's wrong. So right. long as they don't ask you to do something that is contrary to God. Right, and his right, right. law and the nature of Christ. Right. Obviously, if those two things come in conflict, we we always obey God and not man. Right. So, so, it, so it's not against God right. for me to give up a firearm. That's not against, like the, the Bible doesn't say you must own firearms or whatever. And so it, it, it's not against the, the principles of, of God to give those things up, yeah. right? And so... And but I think it, that's it, an important, would be. important distinction. Tell me what you think about this. It, I, I think Christians ha- struggle to know where is our God-given right to own any weapon. Mm. I mean, how, how would you answer that? I'm, and I'm getting to an answer that comes from what you just said a minute ago. But what, where, where is the Second Amendment in Scripture? Where is the, the right to own a BB gun or a 9 millimeter? Or an AK forty-seven, or a missile launcher, or a fifty caliber. Anywhere in that spectrum, is there a God-given right to own and use those for self-defense, for sport, for hunting? Is is that there? Where where would where would we find such a biblical argument for that right? I think the principles of self-defense are laid out in the law. Mm-hmm. Um, God makes provision in the law for someone breaking into someone's house and being killed, mm-hmm. and that and there that are it, retributive uh, stipulations it, there. You know, yeah, this gets lost, there, this gets replaced. Yeah, this there life gets is, lost, you lose your life. Uh, except in the case of someone breaking in your house, mm-hmm. uh, he even makes provision. A thief comes in the night and you kill him. That's not. A, a moral evil mm-hmm. that is not the, under the same category as your ox goring someone, right? Right, or you uh, killing someone in anger. Yeah. You know, th- those are not in the same category. He makes provision yeah. in the law for killing an individual who breaks into someone's home or, or that kind of a self defense. And so you, um, you understand that there is a uh, kind of carve out in the law that says this is the law this is how you're supposed to treat human life um if someone takes a life then they are to be put to death um that kind of thing in in the law understanding that god's people operate under a certain way they uphold the value of human life however also recognizing there are some people who do not value human life and and there should be some uh, some sort of retribution right. um, against them for not valuing human life. Yeah, and to be um, clear, you're not just making stuff up. This comes from Exodus 22, verse 2. Uh, this is a 
principle in God's law to his people. If a thief is found breaking in and struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. Right. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. He goes on to more extrapolation about what happens uh, in response. So that biblical principle is there. Um, I think one of the things he said the other day was we uh, we would not and should not own nuclear weapons to go to take the logic to an extreme. You're not going to drop a nuclear weapon in your kitchen when there's a thief at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to fix that process in terms of self-defense. Right. So there there are some guidelines as to what what are we actually going to do with this what's it even capable of what what is the destruction size when it comes to uh Exodus 22 uh doesn't seem to be concerned with what you do if you strike him with a spoon or a rock or if you strike that thief with you know your kids a toy. I mean, or you mm. know, if you drop a Lego down or something to get him to mm. fall down <laughs> mm. and trip him, it it's not. It's not even asking that question. It's the principle of justice, life for life. And does that? How does that situation change things? Um. So the <clears throat> the question is still there. I think what does the government have responsibility in modern? Uh, in, in current contemporary days where certain kinds of weapons are available to regulate what someone can legally or not legally own in principle. And again, I, I, w- I would say, you know, the government um, can, I think, in, in especially in that regard, go as far as they, as they need to. They, the warrant in Scripture for them to to is there I think to go pretty far mm. to be honest with you mm. I mean I, I I think the the Lord kind of gives them a um, the the ability to make policy on a wide spectrum mm-hmm. you know I mean it, but but I think the goal in the end is it seems pretty evident that its purpose is to leave the do-gooder alone mm-hmm and to uh, punish the evildoer, you know, and it, when it comes especially to these the kinds of, of laws, that I think that's my biggest fear, is uh, that I I really want people to be able. Because honestly, you cannot. We we're past the we're we're to a point where we cannot legislate what's going on in this shooter's heart. Hundred percent, and. And what's evident is if you took all of them away, that that problem is still there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more than really government can address. This is a soul problem. Mm-hmm. And um, w- we as as churches, we as Christians, we as communities uh, have bear a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. for the the lives of the people around us our neighbors right and you know obviously we could list probably millions of things that contribute to a problem such as this but this i, I think we have to say if they legislate they could legislate all day long from washington mm-hmm. 
and this is still they're still going and a representative yeah and a representative yeah we, we, we these could are for us to discuss and determine. yeah we could create laws all day long uh-huh. and this is still going to be a significant issue uh-huh. okay maybe the guy in uvalde or buffalo or wherever doesn't go and kill a uh, a, a room full of fourth graders mm-hmm. you know praise god he doesn't do that uh-huh. but is he still killing cats in his backyard and things like that? Is he still uh, wanting to shoot his grandmother in the face? Um, yeah, he still is. Yeah. Is he? Is he still? Is he looking for an opportunity to take uh, advantage of a situation and use, you know, a rock or a whatever? And lash out at his grandmother or perhaps other people around him or, or things like that. Yeah, that's still a significant issue. Mm-hmm. That's still something that has to be addressed. Because what we what we discover is, yeah, the the problem that defiles is the hatred that come that is in the heart to begin mm-hmm. with. Jesus points this out. Mm-hmm. And that's our responsibility. That's what we've got to go after. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at this you know the evildoers in society we we have to acknowledge there's a heart issue at work and what is contributing to that because it's not guns mm-hmm. that's contributing to that it's something else that happens way before they ever get access to a gun that is is contributing to this and i think my contention would be if you look at the decline in just religious obser- observance in this in this country you look at the increase the incline of religiously unaffiliated people i think you probably start to expose a source of the problem mm-hmm. that when when people aren't hearing the gospel preached they're not hearing the good news of jesus they're not being confronted with the truths of scripture mm-hmm. um and they're not understanding a an eternal purpose for which they were made, then I think, yeah, that problem's gonna continue to grow. Yeah. And it and I think, you know, perhaps the government even contributes in large capacity to this. You know. Um, so I, I, I think we've got a lot of work to do in thinking uh, it's very obvious we have a young man problem. And mm-hmm. I and I think that's part of it part of what's going on yeah absolutely i think it the 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 wrong way to go with the rock cane kind of illustration are two ways one would be the government has nothing to say about violence the government has nothing to say about uh the do-gooder versus the evil uh i i take jonathan lehman's line as helpful that uh if the government principle in genesis 9 and romans 13 is there then the the actually the right to own a weapon ought to come from the government as part of God's good intention to praise what is good and to punish what is evil. That's where that right comes from. And if the government were to take away that right, Christians, I think, would have a harder time going through Scripture and finding a place where we say we have a right to own certain weapons just on principle of God's created order. Something like that would be harder. The government itself actually is part of the support for 
uh, gun ownership because we respect government and we think government ought to praise what is good and punish what is evil. So that's where that ought to come from. Um, doesn't always come from there. But um, we could make an argument, ought to. and I would, that that would be to the detriment of people in this country, that they're uh, removed from the ability to to defend themselves and their family. Oh, because I mean, I've seen evil doer. I've, case study one, you, I mean, I was in Hong Kong. There were no weapons allowed on the island whatsoever. None. Zero. No gun ownership whatsoever. If someone ever got killed by a gun, by the tribe or the gangs, it would be on the news for weeks. Weeks. It's a big deal. Well, Hong Kong is not the same as it used to be anymore. Right. Hong Kong has now been dominated, controlled, taken back over legally first in 1997 and now politically in, in some ways by force in uh, the last five years. So there's right. an example. We've got so many his- historical places to say uh, that would not be good for the government right. to do. And but, as an example, like, and I think a lot of people use this when you, if you, the safest place you can possibly ever be in this country, believe it or not, is at a gun show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there is no fear when you're there of someone going crazy or at a gun range, someone going crazy. Um, and I would disagree. I've been to some gun ranges where I'm very nervous about the guys who are there and the ability to, you know, guys come and have never shot a gun. They're learning how to shoot a gun at the counter as they rent a gun, and then they're given a free reign. I've seen there's been multiple suicides at gun ranges here. Thankfully, it's not been shootings here. Um, but guys make me nervous, and guys get right. gun happy. Uh, but if you I take like, into I don't, I don't go to gun some gun ranges because of that. If you take into account what we consider a mass shooting is four or more. Yeah. Not counting the shooting. Well, there's not going to be many mass shootings at gun, no. at gun shows. <laughs> because <laughs> that's easy. They, I mean, it's possible. It's certainly possible. It's happened. I think, yeah. uh, uh, was it Chris Kyle or the, the sniper, American uh-huh. sniper? Yeah. What, what is his name? Anyway, I think it's Chris Kyle. Um, was killed at a gun range uh, by, a, by a guy who had... PTSD guy that he was caring and, for who had PTSD. Yeah, he was caring for him. Shooting him back. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that can happen certainly. Yeah, but it, it, it the my point is that it's resolved. Yeah. It's not twenty people, um, and th- that I think is what we're, you know, obviously we're concerned about every shooting, and and that was even tragic in and of itself the the shooting of Chris Kyle. But what I mean is, <clears throat> when it comes to mass shootings, that is a. a there's a safe place to be, you know, it's a peaceable place to be having been at many of them. Um, you know, and I've seen what you've seen. I mean, I've seen people that you're like, I I don't know that you should be, (laughs) you need to be taught a little bit more first before you go firing. Of course I've seen those situations too. But what I mean is the kind of mass casualties that we're seeing here, uh, it, it tends to not be at those kinds of, those kinds of events because you know that Everybody else around me is also um, caring and capable. Right. Not to turn this into a gun podcast, but. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think it's helpful to see, you know, one, that it doesn't have to be complex, but we, we don't serve one another well when we offer up overly simplistic uh, and potentially condescending 
responses to one another. I mean, I think it's a good thing about right. this podcast and about our text exchange and our phone calls over the years is, I mean, we, it's okay, good to talk about these things, you know? Yeah. A um, couple of things you said about Romans 13 were helpful even as I listened to them uh, today. Um, but the 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 culture, you know, when, so what the thing, I was going to go back to this real quick. If we, there's two areas we can go wrong. One is the government has nothing to do with this. The government right. does have something to do with this. Sure. What it is, especially in a representative government, is maybe hard to discern at times. Sure. Uh, but we need to understand that from Genesis, from from Cain and the Rock and Abel, all the way through Romans 13, the government does have an interest in protecting the image of God by uh, its response to those who do good and those who do evil. Right. And at the same time, we also need to be really aware that we are not fulfilling the fullness of Scripture if and the fullness of what it means to be following and walking with God in as ambassadors of the kingdom of God on the earth if our goal is to win the gun violence debate with posts about rocks and guns and then we don't say we have a personal responsibility ourselves for what's going on in society we we right. have a personal responsibility for guys down the street we we have a responsibility for fathers and for sons and as a church what am i doing i'm my hope is to see men come to know the lord and be discipled so that they then raise men in the admonition of the Lord. That is that's that's me. That's us the church well, and, and our kind of shot at really, really helping people. Not just preventing shootings from happening, but really helping people holistically and 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 in society as a whole, you know? And and further uh, I think, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about on this podcast, just from a biblical theological perspective, um, recovering the mission for which God put us here on the earth um, mm-hmm. to to uh, make and mature disciples for His glory. Mm-hmm. I think when people, I think our churches have a responsibility, our pastors have a responsibility, our people have a responsibility for helping people understand the reason for which God created them, mm-hmm. that there's a purpose that you live for to glorify your creator. Mm-hmm. And there's no greater joy or satisfaction than living under his rule and his reign. Yeah, And I think our churches have a responsibility of helping people grasp that vision, the reason for which they exist. So, and I think... A lot of the problems, it's a big umbrella, of course. Right. This isn't getting to specific policies and things. But there, uh, one of the biggest problems, I think, that it, it, with, that's going on with our young men in this country is they don't have an understanding the, for the, of the reason for which they exist. Uh-huh. And they, it, it's almost as if they're, they're living this meaningless life. Yeah. And... They're just, you know, that that's all they can see. And and, and listen for for Salvador Ramos. He's he's example of kind of our worst version scenario of shooters. I read a couple of reports this week that were helpful. There there is no, just like you learn in, in trying to figure out who's going to be the the sex abuse person at your church. There's no profile. There there is no well every they're all do they're all just like this. They're all the same age. They all. Have, 
I mean, there is an emphasis in uh, in some statistics regarding school shootings about eighteen year olds and parenthood and mental health, and mm-hmm. there are there are, are are things that are there, but it it's not just that guys like Salvador or or just guys guys who are not going to work and playing video games all day. Right. I mean, guys who are falling short of the glory of God and the image of God that aren't causing mass shootings and mass right. mass death, uh, but are nonetheless still so far below uh, and sinfully apart from God, still in His judgment, not walking with the Lord. And the way that we get there is not just through... Uh, and I'm not suggesting you were saying this, but the way that we get there is not just through kind of worldview education, but love. I mean, who who has who has invited Salvador to say, "Can we go get some tacos? Can can we go get some barbecue for dinner? What's going on? I haven't seen you at school in six weeks." I mean, was was there a teacher that said he dropped out? Let's go see him. And and maybe that was the case already. Maybe there are a lot of teachers who invested in this young man. And I'm using him as an example, obviously of our engagement in general, maybe that happened and it just didn't stick. And the problems were too deep. He and he pushed back. He rebelled against that. I, I don't. I don't know. I certainly don't want to paint Evaldi as a failure of a school system. I don't know anything about that. Um, but our our way to uh, reach people is by love, by compassion, by listening to them, by sitting with them, by building relationships with them. And showing and telling about Christ, telling about God, telling about who do you have? Do you have any idea who you are? The image of God. But the worldview that we're currently uh, that currently is persuading people has persuasion has very powerful um, uh, influence in our country. Is a worldview that says you have no reason to do that. Hmm. You have no reason to reach out and actually care or love someone else. If we give our churches, though, um, a rebuttal to that worldview and say, that is recovering the purpose for which God created you, is to reach out to others in love and care for them, and through that, tell them, show them, help them understand what uh that there is a god that he he did come to save uh through his son Christ and that you can uh they that they can have salvation they can be forgiven of sin mm-hmm. i think all of whole. the things that you said yeah. i would say yes do the christian worldview is the only reason for which a person would do that the government's going to run out. Like as a as a as a teacher, a school employee, you have, mm-hmm. you have so many obligations and things mm-hmm. to keep track of the students that yeah. drop off the radar and that quit going to school and all those kinds of things. You have no reason to do that unless you are, um, you know, possessed by a greater affection, mm-hmm. and it transcends your job and your your school and all that. Yeah. To I'm here to serve Christ. And I'm here to do what he would want me to do. And that includes caring for this person that's disenfranchised, you know, in some way. Mm-hmm. And sharing with him the love of Christ, in which case, potentially, some of those mass shooters are not, that's not their future, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thankful uh, to have a spot to talk. I've talked through this conversation in multiple circles the last week. Uh, our state ethics committee, our text change with a friend, um, my spouse, my other church members, associate pastor here. Um, and it, I, I don't know how people are doing just not talking about it. Mm. It's helpful to me. I, I've learned things from talking to people. I have, uh, I, I'm, you know, just being able to get it out as a, as a means of grief and talk about it is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say as a, I think when this, by the time this releases Sunday night, we will have had a conversation with anyone in our church who wants to come talk about these things. I want to encourage my church to not, regardless of the silliness of any post or anything like that, or how great a post is, to not just get online and just make statements. Ugh. Come, come to our church after prayer meeting this Sunday night, and I'll be there to talk with anyone who wants to talk about gun violence and what the Bible has to say about it. And this podcast is helpful for me to get into that conversation and actually talk about it, and actually take the Bible, pick it up, and go, what does it actually have to say for us? What, what does it tell us? I mean, we we could we could do three or four more episodes, just phone calls, just on this. Sure, but it is so helpful just to pick up God's word and just it has some things to say about it, and and e- even the some of the complexities about how to respond legislatively might still remain, but it it actually ends up coming back and clarifying. Going, well, actually, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, Th- this is my role. And uh, I actually think this applies in somewhat to uh, kind of, I want to be careful, but um, in in Revelation, one of the last things that is said in the last chapter that I'm uh, preaching uh, uh, this week, uh, Revelation chapter 22, <clears throat> it says, uh, let, let me find the passage. Um You'll remember, let let those who do evil still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. That's uh, the angel speaking to John, not Christ. And I think the implication is there is some rest, Christian. Evil people can do evil things. You do good things. The beast is going to come and try to get people to take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast. Be faithful to Christ. You, your job, Christian, whether it's persecution, suffering, weather, whatever it may be, headache, endure until the end. And that means endure evil until the end. And I, I think that even is one implication of the message to John going, this is the world's going to be like this until until it comes to an end. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. Thank you.